Okay. Welcome to episode number 23 of the Rune Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Hartwell. I have my guest today is Mr. Tim Sellers. Hello. How you doing, bud? I'm good. Thanks for having me. He is from New Zealand. Stop already with the comments about his voice, his ah, accent. No, no. It's, it's, it's going to happen. Yeah. He's, he's Australian, of course. Uh, of oh, course. yeah. That's the big uh, the argument, right? It's, like, it's not like you get offended, but you're like, no. come on. It's definitely different, though. But I, I only know that because I know both people from Australia and now New Zealand. Yeah. So and, there's a lot, there's, the and there's a lot of Aussies out here, too. I've there's heard. a ton of Auss- so, Aussies out here. Uh, I, I understand why people put me in there it's fine yeah. australia is a great place it's a great place it's, it's a, great we've got uh, a love-hate relationship yeah well i mean <laughs> you know you do have most of the time you do have to stop in auckland to get to australia so it's like <laughs> the flights i was looking at before the pandemic um was ha- like happened i was gonna go to uh, brisbane uh-huh. and i was like oh, well i'll stop in auckland why not I actually had a friend who uh for him and his wife's um honeymoon they stayed in they'd backpacked in new zealand for three weeks cool yeah that's awesome it sounded like a sweet trip like yeah. i was like dude yeah and it's like the it's like for me like being away from it like i'm loving my new adventure but you always when you kind of see some of the scene back like go back to the scenery there and the the walks and very the be- green. beaches very green it's kind of like in the mountains you're like oh man i miss that yeah exactly but we've got different types of mountains here so it's different like, mountains different terrain here when yeah. i first got here i was like man it is very tan out here yes. very brown. <laughs> tan, tan is a great way yeah. to put it you know it, it really is because because uh, <laughs> you're sitting there and you're like okay, in texas where it's it's its own terrain it's like flat but then you got some hill country and then it's, it's very green still mm-hmm. and i came out here and i'm like Oh, there's mountains. <laughs> wow. I didn't even, I, yeah. I had never grown up around mountains or anything oh, yeah. like that. Flying, flying into here for the first time is always a bit crazy. Yeah, because, uh, well, for one thing, the plane is shaking and yep. from all the wind coming off the mountains and stuff like that, turbulence is awful yep. flying into Vegas. Um, my last flight, Spirit, I talked about it a little bit on a couple episodes ago, but it was, it was like legit. I was like, I'm going to die in this yellow plane. <laughs> I'm going to die in this yellow plane. I really will. It's so, a, and then you, then you land, and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, we're good. We're now good. what? Continue. And you walk in the airport, and there's slot machines so, straight away. Straight away. That that threw me off. That threw me for a loop. <laughs> was, yeah, yeah. I visited here a lot before I moved here, and that was. I remember when it, my first time here, I was like, this is this is different. Yeah. I mean, but, you're from Christchurch, right? Yeah. Well, born in Napier. Okay. Which is in the North Island, but I moved to Christchurch when I was like seven. So Christchurch really is like your home. It's my home. Yeah. So I kind of really grew up and all the families there. Uh, parents and grandparents are there. My brother and sister are, are different parts of the world, um, and then I kind of have like um, cousins and um, aunties and uncles in different parts of New Zealand as well. So you, you have siblings? Yeah, I got a I got a sister and a brother. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. me too. Um, I'm the youngest. I'm the oldest. Huh? So the I was like the trial and error kid where it was like, <laughs> we'll see if this works. And then, you know, we'll, uh, we'll go see. from there. Yeah, we'll go from there. <laughs> my, my younger siblings are thriving wherever they're at. That's um, great. Yeah. It, the, uh, the thing about the thing about like here is um, it seems like a lot of people are, are not from here. It's a very mm. transient city. Oh, yeah. Um, like like we just mentioned, there's a lot of international communities, like Australian, several Australians that play drums. Um, mm-hmm. Yep, James Ryan, uh, and then you know all everybody else, and it was uh, it was very interesting to see that because Houston, while it is like a melting pot, I grew up in the suburban part where it was just yeah. it was just plain old suburban life had a small town feel. Sure. Um, how big is Christchurch? Christchurch would be. <laughs> probably like i actually kind of want to say it's kind of similar size to here i mean auckland auckland's got just probably just over a million people mm-hmm. we're probably around like like eight hundred thousand ish i guess okay so i mean what's vegas i feel like vegas is big but it's not we can look that up right now. let's 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 do it so what am i saying i'm saying 800 for christchurch i'm probably gonna be, it's gonna be okay, so, so wrong christchurch New Zealand population. 
as of 2017, it was only 381,000. Whoa. Yeah. Auckland has 1.657 million. Now, this is three years old, so I don't know why they haven't updated that. That same, I feel like that's too, I feel like that's too low. I feel like it's too low. Though. Yeah. Hmm. Well, there you go. Uh, this is Wikipedia now. Now it's saying, as of June 2019, 385,000? Yeah, I've, I, see, I obviously thought it was bigger than what it was. Yeah. But there you go. But, I mean, what was it saying about Auckland? One point... You, you said it before. Oh, 1.9, I think. 1.9 million is what I said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, 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 that's Oh, 1.6. Okay, yeah. New Zealand as a whole, 4.79, which probably is like five now. Five yeah. million. Yeah. Pretty much we can just like fit in fit in America's pocket. What is know? Hamilton? Hamilton is a city in the North Island. Oh, okay. Yeah. So there's two islands. Mm-hmm. Technically three. You've got Stewart Island right down the bottom of the south, which is this tiny little island I've never been to. But um but yeah, it's really really it's the space of the two, you know, north and south. Stewart Island's like a little bit of a extra. So Stewart Island that oh I see it right here. Yeah. Right, right there. Wow. That's super interesting. Yeah, it's a cool it's a cool spot. Go visit. Man, you're Go visit when you can. Middle of the ocean. Dude. We are we are so far away. Unreal. Yeah. So yeah, okay, I see. Cause like the flight I was looking at that one time, it was like you have to go up. Uh, you know, around the coastlines. So that's why it takes so long sometimes. Or sometimes they'll cut across the Pacific, right? Mm-hmm. That scares me. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> that long 13-hour flight. That scares me. Yeah. It's not too bad. If you're going to going, you could, the cool thing is that Vegas, you can go Vegas, Hawaii, Auckland. Oh. You can skip LA. See, with, the, the one I was going to do, it was we stop in LA first. Yeah, that most most of them do. I think only Hawaiian Airlines is obviously the only one that goes Vegas, Hawaii, Auckland. And you can take another hour and twenty minutes to get down to Christchurch from Auckland. And then there's Papua New Guinea. Papua, Papua New Guinea. Yeah. Yep. And that's Solomon Islands. Yeah. So we have got all the islands kind of around, Man. close close to us in Australia. What a cool part of the world. Yeah, that's great. I, I was recently we, we were re- recently in Bali, which is pretty close as well. So it's like a nine-hour flight. You went to Bali, you know? Yeah. Wow. For, just before I moved here for my sister's wedding. So oh, that's a beautiful. Place. That was very very fun. You know, man. man, that's cool. I need to go over there. Like that's that's something I need to do. Yeah, it's gonna be so interesting. Like with the unknown of this, you know, this virus and then travel and what they're gonna do, letting people in. I mean, New Zealand's got no cases. They're, they're completely virus. Wait, I read that. Free. I read that. They're, they're, do you have a female? Yeah, Jacinda Ardern, our prime, prime minister. minister. Yeah. yeah. So she like was on it real quick, shut everything down, really, um, you know, in terms of borders for flying, that kind of thing. Y- y'all in uh, South Korea were on it. Like, yeah. It was like one of the two countries that were just like, we're not going to let this annihilate us. Yeah, it's impressive how they how they kind of shut it down everyone listened really well yeah. you know didn't didn't try to fight it too much it felt like everyone was just kind of like okay well, we're in it yeah let's just take these for how i mean it must have been six or seven weeks for them yeah. just to kind of like hunker down and now they're they're looking pretty everything's back open full full steam ahead now wow good for them so it's really cool yeah it's they really handled cool. it very well very well yeah but um, now it's kind of like What's the, what's the process if like me and Jillian want to go hot, like fly back and yeah. and see people or hang out? Like, are they going to put us into a two week quarantine? I mean, most likely, but for a while, it seems like that will be that would be the case. Probably right? worldwide, they're probably it's probably going to be some sort of system of people yeah. having to do that. Eh? So um, we will see. Yeah, it's interesting. The media here is very is portrayed it as a very um, it is it is deadly to a certain demographic of of persons so like if it's you have if you're elderly and if you have compromised you know immune systems or respiratory issues of course you're going to be in danger to die from it but i you know the media here just kind of like is kind of like blowing it up and Mm -hmm. you know certain they only focus on the stories that are um extremely negative towards like what the situation is like texas yeah obviously we're going to get more cases after opening up so early, but it's how we handle it now. We have more testing. We know how the virus operates a little bit, you know, a little bit better. 
So it's just it's like a super weird situation. Mm. I I don't. Of course, we have a ton of people here, um, which makes it a little bit more difficult to handle it. But uh, the quarantine was kind of rough for me. I I didn't enjoy it particularly well because I I think I was just so. You know, I'd come off of like straight six and a half, seven years of being just busy, busy, yeah. busy. Yep, focused on. Focused on. I was almost to the finish line. Yeah. And then, boom. Yeah. It's like, I know. Done. And you'd only been here for five months, right? I'd been here for, yeah. So I arrived October last year, mid October last year. So yeah. by the time it got to March, yeah, you're kind of looking at four to five months. And then it was kind of, everything was kind of, I had, had had a great start and I was kind of settling in, you know, everything was becoming Yeah, normal. you had already been getting gigs. Gig, and, I was, yeah, I was gigging, yeah. I was teaching, I was I was becoming comfortable driving on the other side of the road. You, uh, know, yeah. you know what it's like? Yeah. And then suddenly it was just like, and stop. And then I'm kind of going, all right, this is, this is, a, this is an interesting time. Right. Especially when you've just like moved across the world and then you're like, you're setting yourself up. But, you know, like with that, I was kind of like, okay, well, okay, what's in my control for this? Like, what can I do? I can, I can keep pushing with, with my, my goals musically. I can keep working out and, and, and keeping, you know, um, clear in my head and that kind of thing. And yeah. just using the day, my goal kind of every day was to do stuff that is, there's a forward momentum going in with my day. And that was kind of how I, I how I treated quarantine. It's kind of how I treat every day, but it's like, right. especially it was that, in that, it was like, okay. Well, it's important to have yeah. that as a, as a musician, right? I mean, yeah. as a percussionist in particular, because we have so many different things that we have to be good at mm. to be a respected and qualified player. So um, it, it's very interesting to, uh, you know, I eventually got to the point, you know, I'm hitting you up. I'm like, you know, let's, you know, I need some help on Pandero uh-huh. and stuff like that. Yeah, um, that was fun. Yeah, it was fun. And we're still working on it. We just worked on it before this. And it was, you know, something that, you know, was l- allowing me to feel like, yeah, forward progress, right? Exactly. Um, but as far as like the the moving across the world thing, you know, before all the virus stuff and everything, you how long had you planned on? You're like, okay, I'm, I want to go to America. What was the reason behind that? All that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this kind of backtracks to like, this backtracks to when, so my so long story short, my wife is American, and we met playing. Well, both being entertainers on the cruise ships. So she was dancer. She was dancing in the cast shows. I was doing. I did a variety of contracts. I was in the show band and the jazz trio. Um, what cruise line? It was Holland America Cruise Line. Okay. So I was I was kind of on and off there for two years, and so we met, and we did distance for a long time. Um, we got married in New Zealand, and then we were like, well. You know, we're both, and she'd been living in Vegas for a couple of years. You know, before we got married, and then we were like, "Well, let's, you know, we let's try, let's try America together on land." Now that we can, and we're both entertainers, and we're both, and it's such a great city, mm. and we've got, we've got, both got big goals for there. So then we were like, and so, and then the thing that took time was the the visa process. It was like a two year visa process, oh you know. So it's like. It, it took a it on took, America's t- side or New Zealand side. It was a US. So I was going through a. Well, it was kind of. I it was. Oh man, what am I trying to say? It was a green. It was a green card, and I was going through. Our lawyers were American. Oh, okay. So we were going through all the all the lawyers and all the all the fee, all that kind of stuff through them. But then the, obviously the US embassy was in Auckland, so we're kind of we're going through a US green card system yeah and so we're, it was pretty much the two countries working together to try to communicate to make this thing happen which is hard yeah when you're trying when you're kind of you're missing things from one side and something's not quite being processed so and, many moving parts yeah yeah it was like it was it, it, it was it was tough and i think you know you've probably talked to other people who have been on here on visas before and it's like we've all kind of got our little stories about how yeah. how james just went through yeah, one, another how one kind of yeah. happened yeah. Yeah. So, so it's finally nice to be together in the same place. Oh um, yeah. You know, I mean, Gillian lived with me in New Zealand in 2015, but then she came back here for some more work. So we we had been living in New Zealand, but then we're like, let's try America, and we've both got goals for this. Yeah. And um, yeah, man, that's and that's how I got here. Is it's, that your first time living outside of New Zealand? Yeah. So besides the cruise ship, which you can kind of count, but kind of not, because you're like at sea, right? And you're kind of arriving at different places. It's yeah, this is like the second place I've really kind of set myself up. Yeah, you know, 
Yeah, for me, it's uh, for me, it's technically the third, but I'd call it the second because I only knew Houston, you know, uh, growing up. And so when I moved to Lake Charles, it was only two hours away. And I was like, you know, it, it, for my undergrad, I was growing up, you know, when I needed that, like, kind of, it's not far, but it's also not close kind mm-hmm. of thing. And it made me grow up in such a way that I was like, you know, it led me to the point of like, I think I could do the Las Vegas thing. Yeah. And uh, now that I'm on the other side of like the original reason I was here, um, it's just weird looking back and it's like, I, you know, it does suck how it all ended, but at the same time, still it was an experience that I would never trade yeah, for exactly. anything. So, exactly. um, so you, you meet your wife um, on the cruise ships, you get to all the way to this point mm-hmm. and you move here and, uh, I was actually telling James about this uh, one time. I was like, "Man, Tim moved here and immediately got work." Like, so it was you. For one thing, it's well deserved because Tim's a great player and it, a great musician overall. Uh, but that's that's not easy to do. Yeah, and I think and and I think at the same time, I was pretty naturally surprised at how some of those yeah. things just kind of happened. You know, um, you know, I'm I'm grateful to have done like like all the gigs that I've already done here and 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 I've got coming up. Um, a few of them came up through, you know, Jillian, like kind of must like, might've been talking about me, passed on something, passed on an Instagram, got passed on here to here to here. Yeah. And then suddenly I kind of got a call being like, Hey, um, my, my, my just lost my drummer to this, this show. Are you, are you available? Are you keen to join this kind of band? I'm like, um, yeah, like, Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. This is. I wasn't expecting a call, but I will happily. I will take. Definitely say I'll, yes. I'll. Yeah. You know. And whether I've got to audition or whether you got to see if it's a good fit, that's totally natural as well. But like, yeah. what, however it plays out, just even having that opportunity to to go do that. So, yeah. Um, yeah I was. I was, su- I was super. Um, super stoked to be able to play with um, Frankie Perez, who's an amazing musician here in Las Vegas. Yep. So playing with Frank Perez and the Dirty Soul Band, we were playing at, um, you know, recently at Weird Rock um, Casino every, every few Fridays, and that was just amazing bunch of musicians. It's a great, great venue. Yeah, great venue, great set list. Yep. Great players, you know, learning heaps and just enjoying the the process of playing with them, and um, and so that was like a a massive blessing. And then you know, there was a few like like a New Year's Eve gig playing. I uh, couldn't believe it. Actually, it was like they they needed they needed a Middle Eastern percussionist. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember you and posting I'm like, about this. I'm like, wow, like I never thought my second, but technically that was actually my kind of one of my first main gigs. You know, yeah, was, it was like Arabian Nights, right? It was at, like Arabian Nights theme there, uh, like Tropicana. Tropicana. Yep. And so I'm like, this is I never thought I'd be playing Middle Eastern percussion, which is like uh, something I've been focusing on over the years as a in my first within my first five gigs in las vegas yeah so like i kind of like jumped at that and that was great and then it was also great to work with james um for a uh, children's musical as well um oh, Charlie, yeah. Charlie brown's christmas yeah, and yeah it was yeah. really cool to finally connect with him and and and, and do that fun little show so, y'all met in uh australia right i met i reached out to james because when i was back in christchurch i was coming over here on holiday okay and he I saw, I didn't even know how I came across it. It was an Instagram thing. And I saw that he was focusing on musical theater for his, mm-hmm. uh, one his DMA. For his DMA. Yeah. And, that, and I was doing a lot of musical theater shows back in Christchurch. And so I was like, oh man, this guy, this guy's like studying everything. Like, yeah. like this is the kind of guy that I just want. I just want to meet and just like talk about his journey mm-hmm. because I've been enjoying my musical theater journey, you know, playing in the pit. Every show would be different. You'd learn a lot. You'd learn a lot every time. And so I just, you know, I messaged him and say, hey, I'm coming to Vegas. You want to grab, grab a drink or just kind of catch up? And, you know, I think it was also, you know, him being Australian, being, being a New Zealander, got some similarities there. And yeah. it was just kind of really cool just to kind of hit it off. Yeah. And he was, he's like a wealth of knowledge and a super as you know, super talented musician who oh, plays yeah. everything. So oh, yeah. uh, it was just cool to just interact. Yeah. And, you know, while on holiday, you know, for a couple of weeks. Yeah. It's uh, the wealth of talent we have here. Um, and everybody's just so cool. You know, like I haven't really met anybody that's been like, you know, hard, like, you know, tough to talk to or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And um, it really inspires me to go a different direction with my playing as well. Cause like, 
you know, I was a marching guy and then I was, you know, I studied classical percussion along with, you know, as much of general percussion as I could yep. in my schooling. Um, but it's just something about like that real world application that you can take from all, all your, uh, all the people that you meet, yeah, um, all your experiences. And so, uh, as far as like your schooling goes, you, you have a degree. You said you studied jazz yeah, drum so, set, right? Yeah, so I got a Bachelor of Music with honors uh, majoring in jazz performance from University of Canterbury. Okay, cool. Yeah, so that was like a three-year... Is that in Christchurch? Yeah, it's in Christchurch. Okay. Yeah, so it was like a three-year degree. And then I did... Well, it was like a three-year degree, and then I did the honors, which is like between a, uh, an undergrad and a master's. It's in, it's in the middle. I don't think America has an honors. No, we... Kind of... We have a post-master's called an artist certificate. Which is only okay. like an a year long. Yeah, I added I added on another year to my three years to make it an honors. Yeah, and so I was just like, you know, it was like I could I had a little bit more of my own. Uh, I could direct my own kind of topic. Let's say, well, okay, like, okay, cool, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna focus on this with my drumming, and I'm gonna put on two big performances in the year. I'm also gonna write up, do some kind of like mini thesis write ups on stuff and um very so, similar to our masters here yeah pretty much it's like it, it is like a mini masters that's kind yeah. of how we all kind of thought of it so i've so i've got that and i've also got a diploma in teaching for secondary school through university of canterbury as well so that's kind of when i was going going into the classroom and getting that hands-on of of, of teaching a, a group of kids and that was like a lot of music theory and a music pre- appreciation it wasn't so much teaching like uh drum kit and percussion for that it was more like a overall o- overall music class yeah. um but that that kind of that diploma helped me get set up to be um working through the forte itinerant unit back home and that's when i was dispersed around working uh teaching drums and percussion one-on-one for like two and th- two or three years working under their umbrella and that was and that was great so i love that sounds like a great gig so it's very good yeah it was, a, it was a great gig and that and that and i love doing the honors because I mean, I'm such a geek with all my, the way I analyze instruments and techniques and that kind of thing. That, me that, as well. That, yeah, that got me into, I did, a, I did a paper on the Middle Eastern frame drum. So uh-huh. that got, once I started writing about it, then I just kind of went down this, so I kind of had like, I had drum kit stuff, jazz going on. And then I kind of had like this kind of out of the blue side thing of, or passion of like hand drums. And that just kind of, from, I meant to from, ask from 2011 just grew to, and it's still gone i meant to ask you about that because uh, like it sounds like it, you didn't get into the hand drum stuff until after your correct de- your degree yeah so i did like we we did as part of our course we would do cuban percussion yeah, us as well steel uh, we would do uh we would do afro-cuban this is my undergrad afro-cuban yeah. uh brazilian and west african drumming that's, yeah, a lot great. of that's lot great. of West African. Drum. Yeah, um, that's awesome. And then just general, just hand drum technique, you know, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So, so we, yeah, so you brought, we at that point in time with the court, how the course was run, we were doing like a little bit of Cuban, mainly focusing on congas. Mm-hmm. And then I got given, I got given a frame drum for a for a present for a birthday present, and that was at the end of my undergrad. It's so a great then, gift. So I was like, "What is this thing?" And I'm just like looking it up and trying to get like an open tone. And then you discover Glenn Velez. Then I'm like, yeah, pretty, pretty much, you yeah. know, like you know, you come across those guys, and it's all the finger snaps, and it's all the Indian stuff applied, and Shane so Shanahan. That just like, yeah, that just kind of like, I was like, oh man, this is pretty cool. And then just. As I was starting my honors, a great percussionist, um, Doug Brush, moved from Chicago. This is super interesting. This is a really cool story. To Christchurch. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, this, so, so <laughs> when he told me about that, I was like, really? So, so Doug's, like, Doug's a classically trained percussionist, was doing a lot of the orchestra stuff. He also had a big um, love for hand drums, world music, you yeah. name it. Would spend his, you know, Chicago, I remember him saying Chicago in the winter is brutal, right? So he would Awful. he would go he would go to India or go to could he, could, I wonder if he could go back to Cuba back then probably could yeah uh, I'm talking about when he was like in his twenties and now he's like, like in I'm his sure 40s. Yeah, I can't I, remember the yeah. exact but timeline of that yeah pretty much he would go in different parts of the world soak it up learn off people and so so this guy with this wealth of knowledge arrives in Christchurch 
And Christchurch, as we just found out, is not a huge place. So we're like, okay. Um, and then I, so I'm like, I'm like, oh yeah, I've got a, I've got this drum. He's like, yeah, I can teach you that. Why did Why did he pick Christchurch? I don't really. I think he came here. I think he came on holiday and just stayed. And then he was just like, I think he just wanted to like Doug. Don't quote me on this, but I think yeah. I think he just like wanted a change. You know, yeah. he just wanted to just try something new. And 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 when I say change, I mean he lived out in a cottage and on a farm. Oh, like he wasn't in Christchurch, like the city. He was over the hill, forty minutes away. That's called buying Ka- in. Kind of like, <laughs> kind of like off the grid, which I just love. I just love it because oh, I, I, he came from yeah. the hustle bustle of Chicago, and he was great percussionist. You know, he was playing and playing in Wicked at times when it was in Chicago, yeah. that kind of thing. And then he's he's in Christchurch, and I'm like, I'm like, oh my god, like. You, you, and you are you are who I need right now, just to start picking your brain. The paths cross, you know, yeah. and then and that that kind of that just from there that started. That was back in twenty ten, and we just worked on, we did Middle Eastern stuff, Cuban stuff, jazz vibraphone, Brazilian pandero, uh, man, you name it. Like he he started me on the tabla, and then I got into, and then I and then another just side story, another great percussionist from Cal Arts, Justin DeHart. He's now the senior lecturer at the University of Canterbury for percussion. So now he lives there. New Zealand's getting some getting some real talent. Yeah. So I'm kind of like I've got these two monsters yeah. in my city. I'm kind of like, man, this is you guys have got a lot to offer. And so I was I started I started tabla with, with Doug, and then I and then I kind of shifted to Justin because that was a huge focus of his, and he's an amazing tabla player and um and just amazing musician in general. And it was really cool to have those types of guys yeah. with their knowledge and experience and passion come from a massive country like here and then just to kind of set up in New Zealand, which is like perfect for the likes of myself who are just like thriving at yeah. furthering yourself and taking as much as you can. Was the goal ever to get out or was it just to get better? To get out of New Zealand. Oh no, no, no. I mean, I I love New Zealand. I, I my goal was always to just just become the best player I can yeah. and enjoy what I'm doing. Because some people are like, "Well, I want to be a good player, so I can go move to L.A. or New York mm. or something like that." Not really. I mean, I, I, honestly, I was I was I was like just having we, we when you know you want to do something. You know, let's say it's where it's like focusing on jazz drums or Indian tabla or Middle Eastern percussion, and if it's working for you and you're enjoying the process and you're enjoying the learning and, it, and everything else around you is clicking, it's like, man, I was happy. Like it was, it was great. Mm-hmm. You know, um, moving over over to America was was, is it, but it was also a nice change and a nice challenge, and um, so it's kind of like, yeah, bring it on, kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, in, in drums will teach you that though. Drums will teach you to like, it's almost like they teach you adversity. We were talking before this, um, how I feel like I'm five years old again, learning Pandero properly. And Mm. it's like, like it feels like you don't even think about like all this wealth of knowledge you have as a player and all this development you have. You're just thinking about that one issue in front of you of like, can I even play anything? You know what I'm saying? So um, I think, I think music in general teaches us, about challenges and like dealing with them and everything like that. I mean, you, you and all the people that I've met that have moved internationally to here, um, you know, whether it be from Scotland, whether it be from New Zealand, Australia, uh, Mexico, it, that's a huge step. And I thought my step from going from the South to out West was a big step, but y'all's is even, that's like a leap. That's yeah. Boarding the plane is always, uh, it's a scary one when you when you actually say goodbye to your family. You're like I'm I'm actually moving. Yeah, you're leaving. And I'm like, you know, you che- I've, I've checked in. I've, I've crammed in as much percussion and stuff as I can into a bag. Right yeah. at this point, I'm just like, you know, we've done we've done numerous trips to get it over. And yeah, and then you're like, you're sitting on the plane. You're like, this is this is like this is it. What a process, you know. Man. And it's a massive process. And but I don't know. I mean, it's it's a, it's a but it's a fun it's a fun like challenge and journey at the same time. Yeah. You know? And it's kind of like, it's kind of, it's like, it's like learning, like learning the Pandero or learning, um, learning tabla or whatever. 
it's like if you want to if you want to do it you'll just you'll do it mm-hmm. and you'll like you'll figure it out and you'll be like i know this is i could be i'm turning my wrist and i gotta hit this, this tedious yeah. to, to, to get the sound and i know that's it's taking time but i know that if i do it consistently every week or every day you're, you're gonna one day just wake up and you're gonna be over another hump yeah and it's just like i'm always in my head i'm always like play the long game play the long the game the long game always there's like there's like a mantra that i always i'm always in my head about that like things good things take time i, I remember i wrote it out in a book good things take time play the long game yeah and it's so true because you just have to things aren't going to come a lot of people want things to come like straight away yeah i want to be able, i want to be good at that like tomorrow mm-hmm. oh, that's cool or like even two weeks is- even t- yeah you're like in two weeks give me two weeks and you're like all right yeah hold on a second but then also it's like don't but don't you enjoy when it's when you kind of like you have your ups and downs and then it clicks yeah like you have your good days and your bad days like i got it might sound weird but like it's the it's the process Mm -hmm. like you're going to be like working at this thing for five years and suddenly like i'm starting to get good i'm five years in you know a lot of people say here based on uh i don't know if you keep up with sports at all but uh, there's a basketball team here, the Philadelphia 76ers, mm-hmm. who their their process was, uh, or their slogan was, trust the process, because they were bad for so long. Right. Yeah. And then now they're contenders for the title nearly every year because they, they played the long game. They yeah. developed their young players to a point of like, now we're going to put you in the real situation. You're going to be ready to go. And now they're signing people that are wanting to go there because they played the long game and mm-hmm. they're worth going to. And, exactly. Uh, exactly. It's just a good model. Like I take a lot from sports myself. Like I talked about this a couple of episodes ago, but you know, I I take from athletes who uh, treat their craft as we treat our craft. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? LeBron James, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, rest in peace. And then you know, uh, King Griffey Jr. All, all you know, all these people that just developed every day in some form or fashion. Um, and the mental side of things is why I admire golf so much. Like I play golf. So like understanding the mental side of it is very similar to how we, how I play drums. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Performance anxiety or uh, developing a new skill or a new sub skill underneath, you know, the web of what golf or drums is. Um, yeah. It all just like kind of ties it's, together. It's the same thing. And yeah. it's funny you say that because, um, you know, my, my chosen, like I enjoy CrossFit as my, my kind of chosen sport these days. I've been doing CrossFit yeah. for three years. It's the same thing. It's just like, it's so skill based. Yeah. So obviously I'm kind of, when I'm looking at the sport coming, coming from a musician that analyzes everything. Yep. I'm looking at, I'm looking at these movements in, in a sport like CrossFit. I'm, you're, you're watching people do gymnastics. I'm like, I'm going, okay. In my head, I'm going. Okay, so he's got to swing there, and he's got to pop his hips, and he's got to do that. I mean, so I'm breaking, I'm breaking this down. I do the exact same naturally thing. before someone's actually kind of already kind of said, "Hey, you've got to break it down." Yeah. Because in my head, I'm going, "This, I know this isn't going to take. I'm not going to get this today. It's going to take me probably eight weeks, and I need to do it Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and I need to do these drills. And it's just like if I was sitting down at the drums, and I'm like, I want to work on this." independence or this um this uh yeah independence or modulation exercise whatever and i'm gonna have to train my limbs to be able to do this you're gonna break it into parts before you put the whole thing together right it's like like so it's all the same thing yeah it's all the same thing it's like sitting down to play a songo or something like that and you're like man i I should probably just work on this one bar yeah (laughs) yeah and (laughs) i'm gonna play the long game with this groove because exactly some stuff is just it requires so much like detail yeah and it requires detail and in in drums and in golf the slightest little mistakes could change the overall product yeah um totally swing changes you know how you manipulate manipulate the ball how do you manipulate the stick uh-huh. um how do you sound you know a lot of stuff contributes and you know i always tell i always tell my students i'm like there's a there's a extremely high percentage of what we do in the mental side of things yeah and um i feel like a lot of the times it's like i mentioned to you before with pandero especially right now um, if I just let myself go and trust the hands, you know, it happens. Yeah. Uh, more so the correctly than 
than when I'm overanalyzing, you know, thinking too much. And those are the kind of experiences that I need right now because I've been playing these instruments, these other instruments that I worked on in my master's and my undergrad for so long. And it's like, all right, I, you know, I'm at that, that further along point. Right? Kind of in like a flow. You can flow, flow with that, right? Exactly. Flow state. Yeah. Flow state. And um, even with drum set too. Yeah. And so uh, when you started learning these, you know, world percussion drums, yeah. you started with tabla, you know, or you've mentioned frame drum. Uh, yeah, Pandero. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was like congas. It kind of started congas, which then kind of fused into the Frank Middle Eastern stuff, and that kind of that led to my first album. I was mm-hmm. in like a jazz fusion, uh, Middle Eastern jazz fusion band. Yeah, that I was in, which was which was great fun, and I loved it. Great players, and then yeah, but Pandero was in there through that time, and then Tabla started throughout three years, just under three years ago. And that, and that started from a um, Cirque du Soleil percussion audition. Really? Yeah. Which so, show? Well, it was, for, it was for the database audition. Oh, okay. And I was looking at the requirements, and I'm looking at all these instruments, and I'm kind of going through the list. I'm like, yeah, I can play that. I'm pretty, pretty happy with that, or blah, blah, blah. That needs a bit of work. Get to table, and I'm like, man, I can't play table. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's a beast. But, so, I'm, well, but I'm but I'm like so but I'm but I'm ready for it. Like I was I was ready. Well, that's like the final to me. That takes you know? final form. Yeah, and it was because like, some people, if you don't know what tabla is, it's a is an Indian hand drum um, instrument. That there's actually different interpretations, right? There's like northern and southern. Yeah, so yeah. Indian tabla is technically from more north. Yeah, North Indian tabla. It's, it's you're playing that north. Um, that the style in the north. Yeah. The South Indian drum is like the the is the kanjira, which is a small, really tiny frame drum. Yeah. And the the, the madangam, which is a, the one that we kind of play on the side. Um. So there's there's similarities, but there's differences within the music of the of India. But there's people who spend their entire lives trying to master these instruments. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. It's it's. I mean, if you if you've got to look up anyone, just I mean, just look up Zakir Hussain is a great start. Mm-hmm. Uh. Just phenomenal when you will see his how relaxed and how fast that guy can play and there's a there's a there's a whole whole other bunch as well but he's he's done a lot of stuff in the jazz realm and the pop realm as well so he's he's quite known he's boy sorry he's very well known i should take that back very well known very incredible percussionist so you're Um, you basically just started learning it based on what you were seeing in cirque well i started learning it because i because it's kind of a, a it wasn't what they what, what I had to have, but there was a piece in the audition that had it. Mm-hmm. So that's that sparked it, and I, and it was but it, and it kind of pushed me into it. Like it was like, okay, I think I'm ready to to tackle this beast of a language and an instrument. And so I did the audition, and I and I worked really hard, and I and I pl- played my audition with it, and I was and I played the piece and recorded and all that. But then during that process, it became a lot more than just learn it for the learn it to kind of have it as part of my arsenal it was yeah. it was now like no i'm like i'm this is you're bought in this is like i'm i'm in, i'm into it now yeah. <laughs> like i was super it passionate get, it seems like it. to me if i you know when i get to that point of wanting to learn it which i i actually have been at that point of wanting to learn now i was just so caught up in everything else i had to do um i feel like i would just I would go hard. Like, I feel like I would go to India. Like, I feel like I would go yep. try to do as much as I possibly could. Pretty you much. And that's, and that's like in my practice, and we were talking about this earlier today, is that, um, you know, within, within my practice of the weeks, or even every day, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of drum kit is in there. Tablet is definitely in there every day. Um, and then kind of um, pipe band stuff as well yeah with a more recent development but like you know i'm 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 making sure i'm doing or trying to do you know two hours a day of tabla to maintain it and to keep keep that technique going get the language going get get the flow happening because there's a lot to build up there's a lot of a lot of muscles a lot of muscle memory to build up there's a lot of language and memorization of 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 compositions to build up um it's just yeah, it's just a beast, but it's amazing at the same time. So when he says language, um, a lot of their so their tones are associated with uh, syllables. So, Correct. Yeah. Um, I don't. I I get confused with uh, the Darbuka ones, but the what are some like like basic tones? 
So for like in the tabla, you might have like da and ti and ge and na and tirikita, 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 dati da. You know, is everything that you're saying, then you can go play. So the great thing about it, and like if you put like a ge and a na together, it becomes da. So you've you've got individual sounds, and you, when you when you put them together, they're going to become a new syllable. That's super cool. So it's kind of it's like when you're when you're first learning tabla, you're like, okay, I've got to learn the technique. But I've also got to learn how to say it, yeah. Because that's how you're taught it. So my 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 teacher back home will, Justin, who I mentioned from Cal Arts, will recite it, and then he'll play it. So we're not we're not we're not reading it. It's a language. I mean, I mean it really is. And so I mean, I I mean, yes, we write it down because we want to like remember and that kind of thing. But like, if you go back, or maybe even if you go to India now, I I can't totally speak for how it would be taught. However, they probably it's probably just reciting. And they don't write it down with a piece of paper. Uh, they... I actually, I think I've heard that it's mostly taught by rote, like rote teaching or or a just spoken word. Yeah, pretty much. So it's it's all like in five and seven. There's and... yeah, there's I mean there's a lot of a lot of amazing. I mean, we could talk about this for like ten hours. But oh yeah, yeah there's, there's a lot of amazing phrases, and it's it's all kind of based around like you're in a tala. So let's say the one you usually you the one that you usually start with is teen tile, which is sixteen beats long. So everything is fitting inside that sixteen beats, and then you might kind of do all sorts of kind of odd, interesting phrasing. Yeah, groups of five, seven, you name it, and then suddenly you're going to come back out on one, and it's like this yeah. big, it's like this big resolve. And sometimes you're playing it, and you're like, I've got to hold my own here because I feel like I might be out, but I'm not. I'm a, I'm like displaced by a sixteenth note. Yeah. And you just got to be on it, or I'm just displaced by this pattern is displaced by an eighth note triplet, and it's just getting used to that kind of like that flow how it works, and then suddenly it's bang, you're out, and you you know, and you come out on the melody, and you're like, it's super you're cool like, to watch. This is the best feeling. <laughs> yeah. It's super cool to watch, but I can only imagine accomplishing that. You know, after so long of sitting there like kind of like in the, the stage i am with pandora right now just like tone yeah. click click you know just it's a kind long of, it's, a, it's a long journey you know? yeah and it's, it's the playing the long game is a great way to put it though because definitely, yeah. the, those instruments deserve the long game yeah you can't just sit there and half-ass anything like that and it's and like it's a kind of it's there are two drums which you if you try to play them I mean, you'd, A, if you either play them with sticks, it would be the most horrible thing ever. But if you tried to play them as like a conga player or a drummer, having no technique on it, mm. it just wouldn't work. It wouldn't, no. Like, you wouldn't be able to fake it, put it that way. No. It's, and if you're playing with like legit people, you can't fake anything. No, exactly. And so, I mean, we were talking about playing with, you know, uh, Afro-Cuban groups or anything like that. To me, I would really need some long game practice because I don't want to be that guy. Yep. You know what I'm saying? You've heard so many horror stories of just like people going into these gigs and being like, yeah, I can play, I can play Latin. I can play salsa. I can play Mozambique. I can play Juan Juan Co. And you're like, can you though? And then yeah. they come back and they're like, that was a nightmare. I, yeah. And that kind of leads to a point, which I was kind of thinking about is like, sometimes you got to know when to say no. Yeah. And it's hard. It's hard when you're a musician or you're, a, you're and you're striving to make a living from it and that mm -hmm. kind of thing. But it's like, like I'm I'm very realistic. Like if someone calls me for a particular gig and I haven't touched that instrument or I haven't done, I'm not really proficient on it. I'm. You're going to question whether you're going to say yes because there's a lot of factors that could if this could affect. Proficiency is the key word. Yeah. And you just don't, yeah, you're going to be proficient and you don't want to let, you don't want to let them down. You don't let yourself down yeah. kind of thing. Um, That's why drum sets really hard to be good at. Yeah. Because there's so many different ways to play the instrument. Yeah, exactly. And the same goes for, you know, congas or the same goes for, you know, just anything that to me, to me, proficiency is the better word because. I want to sit there and be confident in everything. To me, yeah, that's proficiency. Exactly. Um, if I'm confident in a rock groove and I'm not so confident in a bossa nova groove, I don't think I'm proficient then. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? That's mm -hmm. what makes drum sets so hard to me. Yeah. There's so many. There's so many styles. Yeah. There's so many boxes to tick within the one, and it's not even like one instrument. There's like there's like five instruments when you yep. think about it. I mean, you're working on every single drum, every single tone out of each drum, limb, what you name it. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, it's just like a melting pot of like what you kind of want to focus on. I think, and that's why it's kind of like we all, I think we all naturally have our, our styles that we've focused on within, within, within the drum kit. Has a lot to do with our background as well. Yeah, like for me, it's like I've done. I've focused a lot on jet on jazz because I'm and that's what I'm studied in. I've done a lot of musical theater. I've done a lot of pop stuff. Yeah, done quite a lot of Latin stuff. I've never played a heavy metal gig in my life. Neither. If someone calls me up and says, "Hey, I need I need a heavy metal drummer, especially double kick," I'm gonna be like, "I'm not your guy. I'm definitely not your guy." And yes, I could show up and be like, oh, "Man, I want to." get into the scene and make some money, but I, but I wouldn't be serving anyone at that point. Definitely not them and not myself. Like yourself. Yeah. You know, you let yourself, you can't, you can't let yourself down. So it's like, it's finding that balance of like knowing where you kind of, where you are, yeah. who you are. I mean, what, what kind of gigs? So you're playing gigs in New Zealand. You were playing, uh, you're teaching and you were playing yeah. musical theater gigs. Uh, as well as maybe some like jazz stuff and yeah, everything. Yeah, I was doing jazz, musical theater, some percussion gigs. Yeah, some some pop, like, like, like a lot of recording session work for like some like yeah. albums and stuff like that, pop stuff, cover stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, so then you're starting to learn all this stuff, and you're you're, you're finding a passion for hand drumming. Um, what kind of journey did you see yourself going down with the hand drumming thing? Did you see it becoming just your own passion, or did you see yourself being a performer in it or yeah i mean i think i never i never thought that i would have my first album would have been a middle eastern jazz fusion album like <laughs> if you you asked me when i'm seven, when i was 16 and i was like playing um foo fighters and chili and chili peppers yeah. all the stuff i loved growing up and i still do with my high school band you ask me hey when you know when you're in your late 20s are you, like, will, you will you will you be playing middle eastern percussion recording an album like what's that mm-hmm. you know uh, so I, yeah, I never thought that was going to be the case. And then it turned into be like, I was performing a lot on that kind of stuff. And, you know, it's still my, my, my drive now is still to practice this stuff, perform it live, record it, you name it. You know, I, I think I talked to you about like a long, long-term goal for me is, is like a tabla drum kit kind of album, yeah. kind of fusion thing, you know, kind of on my own speed probably recording it at home whenever I'm feeling like it's ready or, you know, no time pressure with that kind of thing. And right. Kind of your own. Can't really, timeline. can't really, can't really rush that, especially when you're dealing no. with Tabla and, and, and that it's just like, if you might just have a day where it's just not going to be happening. It's going to be, you know? it's got to be precise and it's got to be the mental side of it has it's, to be. Yeah. It's going to be a lot. So it's, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think I'd, I'd never, I think I'm just I'm I'm really happy to be playing this like drum kit and these types of instruments and then having getting to play them live and record with them is just like is awesome. Yeah, you know? I mean the the ultimate. I think there's no better feeling in in accomplishing something that um that is within your your passion projects or wh- whether it be you know for me one of the things I felt really good about in my masters was playing uh, this monstrous marimba piece that yeah. i always wanted to play and i thought at one point i was like i'll get there one day i just don't know when and then i just finally pulled the trigger and i learned it and and i could play it yeah and it was unbelievable um it's not like i was striving to be a solo marimbist or anything like that but being part of you know my studies for so long i was very i was it was a very good feeling yeah to understand it's like Maybe I can play, you know. It's good to it's good, it's a good challenge, and you you prove you've proved something to yourself at the yeah. same time. You're like, I can get through this, and I've learned this an X amount of time. And yeah. what looked like Mount Everest, I've actually totally got. Yeah, and then you and then that just changes every like your perspective on everything. Perspective of of like, yeah, it took me this long, but I mean, everybody's journey is different. Everybody's upbringing is different, um, and so you know, being you know, an American and growing up in the American music system of there's a lot of competition. We mentioned that, you know, in our own conversation before this, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of competition. There's a lot of uh, squareness in how we interpret time. Uh, it's very boxy, you know, what E to E. Yeah, like, right, that is right. the E that is, will be the E forever and always. But <laughs> we were talking about, you know, the pipe band stuff where it's like, we kind of hang back on one a little bit, you know, it's kind of heavy swing kind of hanging back kind of thing. And it's, 
Yeah, within different pieces, there might be one style of a tune that's going to be a little bit more kind of lilty yeah. as opposed, and, and the, the other ones won't be swung, but this one might be swung with a bit more of, I'm going to say, extra grease on it. To me, you know? as someone who did grow up with that boxiness, for lack of a better term, is that feels good to me because it's just it, it just lets go of, you know, because for me in my journey, it's like, all these different styles are that I've learned that have come into one. My sense of time is very unique. I, I it's something that I wouldn't think would have gotten to this point mm. um, because the American marching band rudimental drumming style, we you know it's very square. Everybody plays together. Precision is key. Cleanliness is key, and the only way to accomplish that is within the realms of the click. But mm. you know to hear latin groups and to hear scottish pipe you know with that kind of just like nasty just not nasty but it's that sense of time that just lags a little bit or or it's not totally in time but it's but things are could be shifting or there's a yeah that's a great release for me there's a grease i like to call like extra i think i heard someone say use the term extra grease or the grease that to it and it's kind of what it is it's like you're not out of time you're just kind of like you're playing within The pulse. You it's know. why I like. Uh, it's why I like Jay Dilla so much. Yeah, like the exactly. Jay Dilla beats. It's a great, great example. Yeah, Quest loves break beats, or yeah. you know something. The, you know the Bra- the Brazilian samba feel. Yeah, that tr- that swingy. But it's not. It's got a little bit of a. It's not, and if you try, you can't even write it out because it's not going. It's not like a triplet, but it's kind of not like a sixteenth note either. It's like a something in the middle ground. It's in the middle ground. Yeah, and practicing that's really fun because you try to go like, okay, I'm going to play to a click. I'm going to play straight sixteenths. Now I'm going to swing them, and now I'm going to go in the middle or some mm. like kind of or a combination of both. Exploring like that, and that's that's a great challenge for anyone. You, so some days you might have it, sometimes you might you might not. And, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, or it might be maybe it might be sparked from someone that you're playing with. Yeah, and it just clicks. Some days you're like, I don't feel like messing with this right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just, just this isn't the right play. time. Yeah, this is not a good time. <laughs> I'm just gonna play something really solid yeah. and like perfect. <laughs> and that's when I go back to like playing like the hard rock of the early 2000s or something that's like that. Nothing wrong with that. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think. Um, so, I think your name has gotten out there throughout the city quite a bit, um, especially from people in the percussion community and yeah, I mean, it's a great community here. It's great community and talented you know, people. That's for sure. It's everybody's awesome. hanging and it's like, you know, it's a really good community yeah. to be a part of. And it's a city where people call it home, but there's, they also aren't from here. They had, you know, they're from all over parts of the world. Um, what, what do you see as the long-term goal for Vegas then? Long-term goal for Vegas. Cause your, your wife is a dancer. I'm sure she, does freelance work. I'm sure she, you know, her yeah. goal would also be to be a sh- part of a huge production, but sure. like, what is, what's, what's my goal? Yeah. You know, my, and I, I mentioned this earlier, my, a big goal of mine is Cirque du Soleil. Yeah. You know? Cirque is, I mean, I know, and I, and I, I'm, I'm very realistic about this. I mean, there's so many people on that database and there's, and all that kind of thing. But, you know, I, 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 I did the drum kit and the percussion, audition for that for that database and I, I i love that process of just learning those pieces getting in the studio recording them to the best of where you're at at that point in time you know um that for me is still a big a big goal and i mean i know there's a lot of uncertainty but it's one of those things where it's like if it happens that'd be amazing if it doesn't happen i've worked very hard to get and it'll lead to something. You know, else. my skills, my yeah. skills up, and 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 if it doesn't happen, then um, I look forward to whatever I can get into. You know, are you uh, are you on the database officially? I'm on the database, yeah, nice. officially. And yeah. and that was I was very I was very happy to get that, and I was very it was it was, like, it was a lot of work, and I was like, this is that's been so so fun, and um, I mean, yeah, you just get to play drums. I mean, it's like, awesome, but yeah. it's like, but it's like even away from that, like you know, that's that's been on one of my, on my big goals list that I, that I wrote on a sheet couple years ago or yeah three two or three years ago but like just living just being able to like play in a a variety of settings and and enjoy it and be able to and make and and if i can continue making a living through playing and teaching i mean i'm i'm gonna be happy you know like like that's 
um, you know, Cirque is a big goal, but just playing with a bunch of people, having a great time playing in, in, a, in a range of bands, it's like, that'd be awesome. It's like, you know, kind of, you know, similar for me. It's, uh, I feel like there's, there's a lot of work out there that would be good teachers in themselves. Like gigs are teachers in themselves yeah. a lot of the totally. times. Um, like if I, you know, if, when I played that musical theater gig here for James Legally Blonde, that was a teacher in itself for mm-hmm. me because in all its own aspects, it was, you know, one of the bigger gigs I've played here. And while it's not like a huge production or anything, it's still, I, I treated it as if it were, you know what yeah, I'm saying? Exactly. So that way, one day if I do get the call, you know, they're like, they they would see the the process of like me being ready for it from these previous experiences yeah. which i think cirque is is that for a lot of people yeah um, of course and and, and that, the, that musical theater thing teaches you so much oh man like i did back home i was really lucky to do like the, the, like 20 22 shows wow and each one would usually last two weeks mm-hmm. you know and maybe the longest would be two months so the cool thing yes it wasn't a regular all year the cool thing was is that i got to play a variety of different shows, yeah. different styles, different styles within the shows, within the shows, and so that kind of that kind of helps you find what you what's kind of like the show that you really dig, what's kind of your vibe, what's what's your strong points mm-hmm. in those types of shows, but it also means that that can help you set up for, you know, um, you know, working with a conductor, working with click tracks, you know, that that, that stuff happens with Cirque as well, mm-hmm. you know, so there's a, so much tying in with all that, and so those musical theater experiences are like. And it's so much fun. You know, like I love oh, playing, yeah. I love playing shows. I love I loved it. And you know, playing the percussion book, I got to mess around with my mallet station for that. Yeah. You know, it was it was a lifesaver in yeah. that sense. But uh yeah, man, I, I really hope things go back to normal soon. Um Yeah, I, I think we just gotta We just know, gotta be ready for it. We gotta be ready yeah, that's that's perfect. That was just kinda of what I was gonna say is like, you know, keep whoever's listening out there, you know, it's like it's like keep just like pushing at what you're into uh-huh. and use this time wisely so then it's kind of like when things are back up and running it's like you're ready to go and yeah you know, you're kind of like yeah it's just gonna it's gonna happen it's, it's gonna happen and we'll get there eventually and i'm gonna try to use this time as to be as productive and efficient as possible and try to work on things that are not so up to par within my playing which mm-hmm. is at the end of it you'll feel you'll i think you'll feel just in an immense amount of uh reward yeah and i i think good things will come out of this for those people who handled it the right way you know what i'm saying yeah and uh exactly before i you you got to get out here soon but um before i let you go i like to ask people like what they've been listening to lately like just spotify apple music you know, kind of stuff you've been listening to. Man, lately. I've been on Spotify. I've been listening to. I've actually been listening to a lot of the stuff I've been that I play in my band. Yeah. <laughs> so I've been listening to like a lot of Otis Redding stuff. Oh, cool. <laughs> um, but I've also been listening to Jeff Hamilton, um, all his trio stuff. I'm yeah. a, if, if, if anyone for the people that do know me, I'm a I'm a Brush playing fanatic. Mm-hmm. I love it. So you like that Brush Masterclass a few weeks ago? Then. I love that Brush Masterclass. Yeah. Exactly, it was awesome. And I actually loved all the comments. How everyone's like. Where's Jeff? Even though he's a mm. regal tip guy. You know? Oh yeah. <laughs> Everyone's just like Jeff Hamilton should be here. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, too bad he's with somebody else. <laughs> yeah. It was a Vic Firth masterclass. It, was, it had Stanton on it and everything. Oh, it's so, great. I mean, yeah. all amazing players in that masterclass, and I and I I got a lot from that. You know, I, yeah. I, I got some licks that I definitely took and ran with for sure. But no, I mean, Jeff Hamilton's always up there. Zakir Hussain for the for the Indian stuff. Um, oh man, what else? You know, even even some good old Foo Fighters recently, just like yeah, you gotta go you know, back taking to the it roots. back, man. I yeah. love that band. So yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at, been at. A, a variety of things, I have to, I have to say. Nice. Yeah. Well, cool. Yeah. The uh, anything you want to plug, like music wise, man. For for my for my personal album, um, it's called The Puzzle. Mm-hmm. So for my band Muk Lisa, that's it's kind of a interesting. Um, it means it means loyal and. Um, Egyptian Arabic, um, but it's yeah M U K H L I S A. So that's my band Muklisa. The album's the puzzle. So that's got myself on uh, percussion, Middle Eastern percussion. There's double bass, flute, and guitar. Nice. 
So a nice combination of folk songs rearranged and a couple of originals that I wrote and then like a a solo drum piece that I multi-tracked, which was really, really fun. So um, if you want to go check out that, that's going to be have a little bit, a little hint of what I do in terms of um, the, you know, the Middle Eastern world percussion stuff. So cool man yeah man but thanks so much for having me it's been cool to yeah i appreciate talk the time, drums man. and yeah talk about life and goals and yeah dude yeah. i mean yeah uh, he he's not only inspiration to me uh through drums but he also uh is shredded he works out a lot so, <laughs> so i'm gonna get there one day watch out tim sellers i'm i'm, I'm playing the long game man yeah, you know play the long game. <laughs> so you're gonna live till he's like 180 thanks to That's crossfit a- and running marathons <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. But yeah, thanks for the time, man. Thank you. No, I appreciate yeah, it, man. But yeah, fo- uh, follow Tim Sellers on Instagram. Uh, find him on Facebook, whatever. Uh, we actually had our first conversation through Instagram. He's a very approachable guy. He uh, He's a cool guy, great hang. And uh, yeah, that's it for this one. We'll see you next time.